The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days, but that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's the right opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Welcome back, everybody, to the Right Opinion Podcast. I, of course... Am your not so humble host, Harrison Bergeron. Happy to have you all back. As always, it is hilarious. You know, since I mentioned my my pseudonym there, Harrison Bergeron, I got into a little tiff with some idiot on Twitter. Of course, this idiot is an English teacher and a liberal. No big surprise there. Was offended at the fact that I have chosen Harrison Bergeron as my pseudonym because you know Kurt Vonnegut, who wrote Harrison Bergeron, is such a wacko lefty. They were offended that I, a right-winger, would dare uh, take upon that pseudonym from a character that he wrote, um, and then they tried to explain to me that that story doesn't really mean what you think it means, and have you actually read anything that he's ever said about the story? I, uh, is this a common practice? Does everyone go out there, read a book, interpret it for themselves, and then go, oh, well, let me go read what the author had to say? Like, what? No, it's art. That's the whole point of art, is that it's open to interpretation. Also, I did go and read what Kurt Vonnegut had to say about the story, and it really isn't necessarily a story particularly about economic equality. For those of you who have read it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's more about a socio, a social kind of equality in that Harrison Bergeron, as I've mentioned a few times, is like the most handsome, biggest, strongest, best singer, smartest guy, blah, blah, blah. He's the peak of humanity in order for the civilization that he lives in to have an equal playing field. They cannot bring people up to Harrison's level. If they could be brought up to Harrison's level, surely they would be there. But in order to make sure that everything was equal, they had to drag Harrison down into everyone else's level. And yeah, it's a bit of a satire about kind of the calls for equality as a whole, but that now applies on the opposite end of the spectrum. It is the left wing that screams about equality and have actually extended it now to equity, which is more of a financial equality because they want everybody to be a stakeholder as opposed to being a shareholder where you actually buy a share of a company and have a say in how it's run. No, no. By merely being somebody who exists in the vicinity of a corporation or an entity, you are a stakeholder because you have a stake in, I don't know, something related to the company. If you're a patron, I guess, you know, you, it, you you have to go to the store and you have to buy these shampoo bottles. So if all of these shampoo companies aren't super woke, well, then I'm somehow being marginalized. Obviously, all of this is nonsense. And the fact that this was an English teacher who was so sternly keyed in on one particular interpretation of a story, even if it was the author's, it's a little scary, isn't it? This person is, instead of teaching children to openly interpret art, she's telling them, no, no, There is only one way to interpret this particular art because this particular art aligns with my worldview and any other interpretations of it are unacceptable because I don't have a good enough argument to tell you that my worldview is actually valid. And so we have have hit not only peak stupid folks, but we are at second stage stupid. You may be asking what exactly is second stage stupid, Harrison, and ho ho, I've got a few examples for you. So let's let's start off with the, we'll go into the past a little bit, right? The 2020 election. At the time, people, even some Republicans, were making the claim that this is, and I quote, the most secure election ever, end quote. Begging the question, all right, if that's the case, then why didn't we have all elections via mass mail-in balloting prior to 2020? Oh, that's right, because mail-in balloting, we all know, we all know, and it is the very reason that it wasn't already implemented on a mass scale, leaves more room for fraud than if you have to physically go to a ballot box or for even, for that matter, physically go and request a mail-in ballot. 
just sending out ballots willy-nilly leaves a lot of ballots out there that just about anybody can fill out, and as we saw in 2020, some of them did. So, the most secure election ever is an outrageous claim. It is second stage stupid. They've convinced you that there was, they, they've convinced a certain subsection, not you, obviously. My fine listeners are smarter than that. But they have convinced a large enough subsection of the population that this election was totally on the up and up, despite the fact that there was a litany of at least evidences of potential fraud. There was obviously unconstitutional law changes that went on at the state level, not to mention, you know, all of the other nonsense rigging that went on on the on the media front, which really doesn't play into the security of an election. But overall, to pretend that the 2020 election was the most secure, most above board election that has ever been conducted. I'm going to have to ask if, if you know, anybody has any footage of people pulling ballots out from underneath tables in all previous elections, because if that's the standard, then, yeah, maybe maybe that's true. But it's not. We all know it's not. And the fact that the Department of Homeland Security specifically came out and made this statement, we're at second stage stupid. You're already dumb, and now they're going to try to lower that bar even lower to make you even dumber, because once more, we can't bring everybody up to Harrison's level. We got to bring everybody down to the lowest common denominator, which is sort of the liberal ideology. And here we are again. Let's jump forward to COVID. Low-dose aspirin. So about a week or two ago, it was discovered that a low-dose aspirin, aspirin treatment, which is something that a lot of people take, particularly people, I would say, slightly older than myself, heading into, you know, upper ages. I'm about, I'm about 34. Uh, but people, you know, maybe around my age, maybe closer to 40, start taking a low-dose aspirin on a daily basis as a regimen to potentially stave off a heart attack, specifically, but a cardiac condition more broadly. This is something that is as old as basically medical science, as far as most of us are concerned. This is something that we've all encountered. We've all heard people say it's been on television shows. Like, it's just a casual thing that I would say even most people who aren't even hyper aware of medical science have heard about this. This is something that a lot of people do. Well, it turned out a couple weeks ago that there was a study that said that people who take low doses of aspirin might actually have a little bit more of uh, of a protection against COVID-19. It's it's almost sort of a prophylaxis against COVID-19. Well, the medical experts and the media obviously couldn't have anybody out there running out there taking over-the-counter treatments that might protect them against COVID-19. So, miraculously, after decades of it being the established science that low-dose aspirin might potentially, you know, fend off a, a heart attack or a cardiac condition later on in life, After decades of that being scientific fact, the scientists, the science, and the experts have been telling people this for decades. Sure enough, a week or two after it turns out that this study showed that a low-dose aspirin treatment might actually be a prophylaxis against COVID-19, well, it turns out now that apparently low-dose aspirin is really dangerous for you. It's what, What are the odds that that's a coincidence? There's virtually no odds that that's a coincidence because it's not a coincidence. There's no chance that's a coincidence. That's something that had been established for decades as science and, you know, the experts have have recommended this. This was a fact as far as we all knew, according, again, to the science and the experts. Now the science and the experts are telling you, no, no, we were wrong about this, but we're definitely right about this. Either way, this isn't a good outcome for the medical field. This is not a good outcome for the science or for the medical uh, experts out there because they're telling you they're definitely right now, even though they've definitely been wrong, according to them, for decades. Really weird how that just kind of all filtered together right at the same time. It's it's bizarre. Then let's move on to, uh, I don't even know, where do we go from here on the second stage, stupid bathroom and gender issues, Uh, the Daily Wire's. Uh, I believe his name is Matt Resnick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to step back on the name there, but basically, the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's outlet, hired an investigative reporter about a year ago, and that investigative reporter recently dropped basically his first exclusive story, which was a story out of Loudoun County, Virginia, where 
there was a young girl who was sexually assaulted in a female bathroom by a young man who was either wearing a skirt or was pretending to be a girl or is supposedly transgender, neither here nor there. The woman was in the woman's bathroom. The boy who had no business being in there was in there and was able to sexually assault this young girl as a result of... I don't even know. I don't know if there was a standing rule that said that it was okay for for trans people to use non-biological bathrooms or whatever the case may be. But Loudoun County sure didn't want this to be public knowledge because they swept it under the rug, didn't notify anybody in the school system, promptly transferred this student, the uh, alleged rapist, to another school where they then did the exact same thing again. And that too was covered up and swept under the rug. If not for the Daily Wire's reporting, we might still not know about this story. As a matter of fact, the father of the young girl went to a school board meeting to kick up some dirt about this, and he was promptly arrested, or at least the police were called and he was escorted out of there. Why, you might ask, why would you cover up something like this? I mean, we're talking about the bleeding heart libs, right? These people are, they they want to protect women. I've been told that several thousand times over the last couple of years is that we need to protect women, even though we don't want men to protect women, because that would imply that there's some sort of physical superiority for men. But as a whole, as a society, we need to protect women, except for these young ladies who unfortunately were assaulted in in the worst of possible ways by a, a young man who had absolutely no business being in the bathroom with them. And yet, was able to be at two different schools, the latter of which occurring after the first one, meaning that everyone was aware of the possibility of this happening again, and yet it was allowed to happen again. So why are we covering up all this? Why, in God's name, would a school board of all places put more young women in danger? Well, that's because the young women are not nearly as important as trans ideology. There's no other conclusion to draw there, folks, is that If you think that these women's lives and experiences are valuable, well, why wouldn't you tell it? Well, there must be something else more valuable, and that something more valuable is the idea that boys can be girls and girls can be boys and boys can go into girls' bathrooms and absolutely nothing wrong will ever happen ever, even though it's now happened twice with the same you know, alleged rapist, again, everybody deserves their day in court, but that when it happens twice in the same fashion, we've got a pattern here. I've watched enough fucking crime shows to know that. But we've d- doubled down on stupid, is that we now not only have proliferated this nonsensical trans ideology here in the United States, but now it's more important than the safety of young women in our schools, which actually kind of carries me over to Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle... I watched a special recently. Actually, I had a lovely little mini vacay in the middle of the week last week with my girlfriend. It was her birthday. And amongst the you know activities that involved a, a litany of inebriation and, uh, and a nice little nature walk and a nice little trip to an Airbnb and the Poconos and all that good sort of stuff during some of our downtime, we chilled out. We, we watched The Closer, Dave Chappelle's last of his, I guess, four or five specials that he had on his Netflix contract. And it was a very nice bookend because he kind of addressed all of the jokes that he's made that were somewhat controversial from the first one to the fourth one or fifth one or whatever it is. And then he carries it off and he kind of closes the whole routine off by kind of just putting a big exclamation point on everything that he had set up to this point and with a little bit of an explanation. Dave Chappelle is a comedian. They tell jokes the last I checked and jokes are not to be taken incredibly seriously. That said, as you know, I like to think of stand-up comedians as kind of like the philosophers of our time. They ask the hard questions. They they poke at gender, uh, at, at well, gender norms too, I guess in this case, but they poke at social norms and they try to see what shakes loose. And a lot of that ends up being fairly profound, even though it is funny. Dave Chappelle doesn't necessarily try to be super profound all the time. But he happens to stumble upon it once in a blue moon, and usually if you're paying attention to his jokes and the tone of his jokes and the messages in a, in a given special or series of specials as we're talking about now, a lot of this stuff is fairly obvious who he's targeting. And he even says it himself, a lot of the time he's targeting white people. His, his argument has always been with white people. 
Well, you know, fair enough. I'm a white person and it's never really bothered me one bit. I was a huge fan of Dave Chappelle long before the Netflix specials. I was a big fan of him and Half-Baked. I watched the Chappelle show religiously. It, it was on while I was in college. I'd kind of just gotten into doing a lot of drugs. And Dave Chappelle was fucking hilarious, especially when you're on a lot of drugs. So I would sit around and watch Chappelle show with my friends. And, I, and when I was in college, my group of friends was like as diverse as the United Nations. We had people from all over the country, every race, every creed, every sexuality. And it never at any point in time were, were, was there any tension about any of it. You know, we'd even joke around about it from time to time. And no one's feelings were hurt. And it was a wonderful little community that we had there. And uh, I, I miss a lot of those guys. I don't talk to them any, anymore. You know, it's been about 13 years since I last hung out with them. Um, but it was it was a really, really good group of people. And we never had these types of problems that I'm sure groups of equal diversity today probably run into all the time. And I'm very delighted to see that my daughter, of all people, uh, she's 13. She doesn't live with me, but I've met a bunch of her friends and it's like, you know, I went to her last birthday party. It too kind of looked like a United Nations, black friend, Asian friend, Jewish friend, Hispanic friend, blah, blah, blah. Her core group of friends is as, diver is, is as diverse as any group of friends I've ever been involved with, uh, involved in. And I think that's wonderful because I'm not one of these people that thinks that we shouldn't see color. I'm one of these people that thinks that every person and every culture and every race has some merit to it and probably some demerits to it, but we should recognize the merits. We should probably, as a society, all try to stray away from our own personal demerits, and I don't think that's necessarily people of other cultures' place to, uh, to you know, to kind of make that decision for them, but at the end of the day, I think, I think, you know, black people have a lot to offer. I think Hispanic people have a lot to offer. I think Asian people have a lot to offer. I think white people have a lot to offer. I think all of those people could be fucking terrible people too. And, you know, if you just treat everybody on an individual basis, you might actually get to meet some cool people along the way. And if you ignore all this other stuff that might bother you or might make you uncomfortable, well, you know, you're going to be more prone to meeting more people. And yeah, you're going to meet more assholes, but you're also going to meet a lot more wonderful people. I, I've always lived that way, and I've, I've, I've continued to try to raise my daughter that way, and I'm proud to see that some of it is rubbed off, because clearly, based on her group of friends, my the, the, the suggestion that even Harrison Bergeron's daughter is a bigot would be laughable to absolutely anybody who's ever met her or seen her interact with her friends and her schoolmates and all that sort of stuff. I'm very proud of her. I love her to death, obviously. She's my favorite person. I tell her that all the time. Um, but Dave Chappelle, let's get back to Dave Chappelle here for a second. Dave Chappelle declared himself Team Turf. What is Team Turf, you might be asking? Well, Turf is trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And Dave earlier in his special, and spoiler alerts for all this, by the way, if anybody who hasn't actually seen it yet, he said he looked up the definition of feminist, and that definition, the Webster's Dictionary definition of feminist, is somebody who believes in equal rights for women. And Dave was sort of shocked because he thought it just meant frumpy dyke. But yeah, that's his joke. Um, but nevertheless, I, uh, I too, by that definition, am a feminist. I could also be considered a radical feminist because I believe they already have equal rights. Maybe that's pretty radical in the world of feminism. But if I thought my daughter, my girlfriend, my mother, my sister were being treated less than because they were women, yeah, I'd fight like hell for every single one of them. They're not. My, my sister's vastly more successful than I am and probably will ever be. My daughter, hopefully, will be the same. My girlfriend is is just out there kicking ass right now, and she doesn't even have a college education, and she's managed to find a way, even through this pandemic, to like virtually double her salary in the last year. She rules. She's, she's doing just fine. And weirdly enough, a lot of her success, and I don't want to diminish it in any way, shape, or form, but she ended up at a place that didn't have a lot of women. And she walked in there and she's, you know, she's easy on the eyes. She's smart. She's capable. And she's a woman. She's getting fucking pushed to the moon. She's like fucking GameStop over there. And she would love that comparison. Um, but nevertheless, um, yeah, no, I think women already have equal rights. Duh, they do. They get paid equally for equal work. When you break it down, that's absolute. And any other nonsense that you're hearing about wage gaps and all this other stuff has much more to do with personal decisions made by individual women, such as the decision to go have a child, the decision to major in something that isn't particularly lucrative, so on and so forth. Obviously, you know, certain fields pay more money than others, and those fields tend to be, you know, occupied by more men because they, they figured this out a long time ago. But neither here nor there at the moment, I'm a radical feminist from that aspect of things and that I'm a feminist. I believe in equal rights for women, and I believe that they already have them. 
It's pretty radical. And to go even further, I'm absolutely on team turf and I'm riding with Dave Chappelle, not because he's Dave Chappelle, but because I think what he had to say in this particular special was spot on and something I myself have said many times on this podcast. He talks about you need to look at the trans ideology from a woman's perspective. He said, and I believe he said this almost verbatim, he said, you know, uh, women look at like drag queens or transgender you know, people, I guess men who want to be women, trans women, almost like blackface. And he's so right. Halloween's coming up. I'm going to use this example as I do every year. My favorite living musical artist is Kanye West. If I want to dress up like Kanye West, I uh, can't really wear the MAGA hat anymore. It's not on brand with him anymore. I can wear those cool sunglasses, maybe a pink polo, but how would anyone actually know I was Kanye West? I'm, I'm as white as a fucking ghost. And yeah, maybe a couple accessories might lead someone down that path. But I think it would be a little bit more spot on if I put on some, you know, darkening makeup. Now, obviously, that's faux pas, and I'm not going to do that. But why is that faux pas if I want to pretend for a day, even for in honor of somebody that I appreciate? Megan Kelly got fired for this exact statement is that she won. She said, if I want to be Diana Ross and I, you know, I want to darken my skin a little bit to look more like Diana Ross because I fucking love Diana Ross and I want, you know, people to know that I love her. And so when it comes around time for me to pick a Halloween costume, I'm going to pick somebody that I admire that I want to be like. And instead of people looking at it going, oh, this white girl wants to be Diana Ross. How wonderful. No, no, it's that white girl's got some tanner on. That's blackface. Fire her and give her $69 million. If only that last part were the case for everybody, it's that only just happened to work out for Megyn Kelly. But for Halloween, if I want to be Kanye West, yeah, I might have to darken my skin a little bit. Again, I'm not doing that. But not even on Halloween, any other day of the year, I slap on a wig and a skirt and say I'm a woman. I'm a fucking hero. I could be a four-star admiral. (laughs) It's insane. It is like blackface. If you're a man pretending to be a woman, it should be no less offensive than a white person pretending to be a black person or a white person pretending to be an Asian person or a white person running the NAACP. That said, uh, Dave Chappelle, Team Turf, I'm I'm 100% with him. He talked about J.K. Rowling, who's been basically the queen of turfdom because she had the audacity, even though J.K. Rowling threw some fucking meat to the woke squad many a time. Oh, I think Crab or Goyle is gay, but she didn't actually put any of these things in her books. She kind of like filled it in on social media after the fact. Oh, yeah, maybe Ron is is bisexual or Harry's, uh, you know, Harry once, uh, you know, had an affair with Draco Malfoy or blah, blah, blah. You know, all these nonsensical, super woke things she wasn't willing to put in the book, but she was willing to kind of throw red meat to the woke squad on social media. Well, it all came back to bite her in the ass because she has the audacity to think that men are men and women are women. How dare she? And I mentioned this before, so let's get right back to the doubling down on stupid Richard Levine is now our first female four-star officer in the uniformed military. Richard Levine, you may know better as Rachel Levine, who is the Deputy Secretary of Health and Human Services, and now the first transgender four-star officer in our military. Now, this is where it gets really weird. This is where the second stage stupid starts to get a little blurry. Maybe we're even trickling into third stage stupid already. It was a quick jump, I know, but here we are nevertheless. Rachel Levine called himself the first female four-star officer and the first transgender four-star officer in our military. She said that, or he said that, whatever. That quote was everywhere except for on the headlines of all of your favorite woke outlets. I've got a thread up on Twitter. You can check me out there and on Instagram and on Parler at Right Opinion Pod. Check all that out there. But um, I had a nice little thread up about Rachel Levine saying that she or he is the first female four-star military officer. And then Twitter puts all the headlines right there conveniently for you. And everyone from Washington Post to uh, New York Times to NBC Out, which is the NBC, like, gay sub-channel that they have going over, the LGBTQAIP2 outlet that they have over there, even they, in their headline, wouldn't recognize uh, Officer Levine or Assistant Secretary Levine. I'm trying to avoid gender pronouns at this point in the game because it's just annoying and confusing for everybody involved, including 
uh, Mr. Levine. But nevertheless, um, none of these headlines featured first female four-star officer. They all said first transgender female uh, four-star officer, which means that even the wokest of the woke who will tell you you're a fucking bigot if you don't recognize this dude as a chick, even they don't recognize him as a chick. You can go back and see all the headlines on my thread at Right Opinion Pod. Not a one of them acknowledges it. Even though Twitter put the quote right above it saying first female and first transgender, every headline underneath it says first transgender. Why? Well, because the trans ideology is more important than women. As we found out when I was talking about in the Loudoun County thing. And that's really what Dave Chappelle's special was about. Black people have been you know, oppressed to a certain extent in this country for a long time. Do I think that oppression is really prevalent today? No, not necessarily. But to deny that it historically existed would be foolish. The Democrats did fucking terrible things to black people in this country. They enslaved them, and then they wouldn't actually let them, you know, once they freed them, they wouldn't actually let them be involved in society. They made them drink at separate water fountains, sit in the back of the bus, and then once they actually got the, you know, the civil rights passed in 1964... 64? Yeah, 64. Uh, It was Republicans that pushed that across the finish line. And then Democrats couldn't have that. You know, they couldn't they couldn't let black people just be black people. So then they put in things like the 1994 crime bill, the three strike policy, the welfare system, all of this designed to keep black people down even long after legislatively they were equal. And as we know, a lot of Dave Chappelle's comedy comes from a black perspective, a perspective of a black man in America Do I think he's a little radical at times? Yeah, like that whole special he did where he just ripped into Candace Owens for three minutes is ridiculous. The two of them should sit down and have a conversation. They'd find a lot of common ground. I have absolutely no doubt about that. But would they disagree on everything? I'm sure they wouldn't. But but Dave Chappelle, you know, going into the wokery is neither here nor there. He's so talented, it doesn't bother me that he, you know, does things that bother me, I guess, from time to time. Overall, I'm not going to boycott Dave Chappelle. I'm not going to try to cancel Dave Chappelle. He's a fucking comedian. If I don't like what he has to say, I'll just turn it off. You've listened to me bitch and rant and rave about just about every typical or, or every particular brand of fucking leftist stupidity that exists. Have you ever once heard me call for any of these people to be censored, deplatformed, demonetized? No, because they shouldn't be. I believe in the marketplace of ideas. I'm a capitalist even on an intellectual sense. I think the best ideas will win out. I think Dave Chappelle's ideas, particularly in relation to transgenderism, will win the day eventually. We'll get past this nonsense of the wokery eventually And Dave Chappelle will be looked at as almost like a philosopher in this time, as I've been saying that most comedians are. But he's talking about how black people have struggled for so long, and in his eyes, still do. It's up for debate. But the transgender-like thing and the gay thing and the, the LGBT, the alphabet people, as he likes to call them, they've gained steam alarmingly fast. And Again, spoiler alert, because this is a really funny part of the special. So go listen to it if you haven't already, and then come back to me. But he talks about DaBaby. DaBaby is a rapper recently featured on Kanye West's Donda. Uh, I believe Jail Part 2, also featuring Marilyn Manson. So Kanye wanted to get all the canceled people on one track. DaBaby, I believe, said some... And I don't actually know what he said. I haven't actually looked back and looked. And I don't really think it's all that important. Um, he went back and he, I guess he, he made a bunch of really disparaging comments and said some really terrible things about gay people or said some really terrible gay epithets. Okay. None of those things are good. And I'm not going to defend any of those things. But Dave Chappelle also points out that DaBaby shot and killed a man in a Walmart and that didn't hurt his career at all. And to Dave's point, he concludes that particular joke by saying, so it's okay in America to shoot and kill a brother, but If you hurt a gay person's feelings, that's a no-no. Do you see why that's bothering people like Dave Chappelle and even people like myself? It's insane that we've gotten to this point. Guy can shoot and kill somebody, totally fine. His album is going to go out. Everyone's going to go buy it, no problem. But he said one thing about a gay person, lights out for DaBaby. That's, That's a pretty fucked up standard. And Dave Chappelle, as a comedian, somebody who pokes at social norms, finds this disgusting 
as I do too. And I'm not even like a black person and I'm not even a person who really thinks that black people are, are struggling on any severe large scale due to any sort of systemic racism in today's society. I don't believe it. I, I mean, I just don't. <laughs> I've seen far, we, we live in a country that has twice as many black billionaires than the rest of the world combined, basically. Yeah, it's not a it's not a racial thing. It's an individual choice thing. There's a lot of really poor, disgusting white people in this country, too. They suffer a whole lot. And yeah, maybe they don't have to worry about getting pulled over. But uh, they've also haven't been told a million times that getting pulled over could potentially mean the end of your life when the statistics say that that's not really a thing at all. Anyway, so yeah, so Dave Chappelle killing it out there, and that kind of rolls me into Joe Rogan. So Joe Rogan uh, is another stand-up comedian and a UFC commentator and apparently professional CNN bitch slapper. He had Dr. Sanjay Gupta on his program this week, and this is, again, getting back to my second stage stupid. This guy is the medical expert, the medical expert on air at CNN. Joe Rogan recently got COVID, and he was taking ivermectin. Every fucking talking head on CNN for weeks had to try to, you know, take a slap at Joe Rogan because they were all very upset that he didn't die because he, uh, I guess, you know, he took the ivermectin, so they were all hoping he'd die so they can use him as an example. And I guess maybe they thought in some twisted way that Joe Rogan's 10 million listeners might actually filter their way back to CNN, which has maybe a million in prime time which is basically laughable at this point. Nevertheless, Sanjay Gupta sits there and just gets berated by Joe Rogan for minutes on end. And Rogan keeps asking, are you okay with the fact that they lied about what I was taking? He goes, look, man, I'm, I can afford fucking people medicine, motherfucker. And yeah, we all know he can. He's got a hundred million dollar contract from Spotify. And that's after all the money he made being a UFC commentator, doing stand-up, doing the Joe Rogan podcast, which is still the biggest, most powerful podcast that has ever existed. Yeah, he, he definitely had to go to the farm supply store to get ivermectin because, I don't know, CNN just assumes everybody's as stupid as their audience, I suppose. Gupta sits there and says, yeah, they really shouldn't have said that about you. And Rogan, to his credit, kept pressing him. He goes, you're the medical guy. At no point did you say, hey, maybe you guys should stop saying this, or at any point did somebody come to you and ask you for your medical opinion about the treatment that I took? And he, you know, eventually kind of conceded after trying a million times to spin it and make some sort of sense out of CNN's, uh, I guess, you know, narrative on this particular angle. And then after doing that, runs right back to CNN, there he is sitting next to Don Lemon, and he's going right back to the lie. And he's letting Don Lemon continue to lie. Oh, well, it is actually used for horse dewormer, so it's safe to say that Joe Rogan was using horse No, 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 That's not how this works at all. There's a lot of drugs used for a lot of reasons. Some of them are used for both human and veterinary medicine. But that doesn't mean that if you take something that is used in veterinary medicine, that you're taking veterinary medicine. It's just that it doesn't make any sense. You know, like, there's, like, water and stuff, too. Does that mean, like, every time I've drank water, I'm also, like, like, Harrison Bergeron takes a sip of his water. He's drinking plant hydration supplements or whatever. It, you know, it, it just it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But CNN doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's kind of their thing. And yet their audience is, albeit dwindling, completely buying into this nonsense, hook, line, and sinker, even after the stand-up comedian slash UFC commentator took their fucking medical professional expert to complete an utter task for 10 million plus people to see, not to mention all the clips that made their way around social media, and they just go right back to the lie. Oh, well, you know, it wasn't really this, that, and the other thing, and it wasn't really taken for those purposes, and yada, yada, and it's not really approved for COVID-19, so it's basically horse to wormer still. Okay. They completely ignore, again, I've gone through this, so I'm going to be brief here, the fact that ivermectin, the people who developed it, actually won a Nobel Prize in 2015 for the discovery that ivermectin helps decrease the growth and spread of a virus, particularly a respiratory coronavirus, in people. It, it stops the, the virus from duplicating at, a, at as high a rate in people, meaning it is mitigating the effects of the disease and mitigating the potential spread to another person that could be harmful. If you have a low viral load, even if you spread it to somebody else, if they only catch a low viral load, they may be asymptomatic or have a very mild flu-like experience with COVID-19. 
And as you, some of you can tell, I'm a little clogged up here. I was sick over the last couple of weeks. It wasn't the Rona. Although at this point, I just want it. Like, can I just fucking get it so I can be over this? And so, I, because I'm at the point now to where I don't even have evidence of antibodies. So I, if God forbid a mandate comes down, I don't even have that exemption. And I'm not particularly religious. And frankly, I'm not even willing to fake it. I shouldn't have to, to avoid these idiots from putting something in my body that we know now isn't even working. It doesn't stop the spread. It doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't stop infection, rather. It doesn't, you know, it, it may be, maybe, and you know what? I won't even say maybe. Almost definitely reduces your likelihood of death or hospitalization. Those are not particular concerns for people in my health category, and I, as an American who has some sort of freedom the last I checked, should be able to make that decision for myself. Our fucking Supreme Court you know, with the with the Roe v. Wade decision said that a certain level of medical privacy is guaranteed in the Constitution, even though it's not anywhere. And somehow that medical privacy is supposed to allow a woman to kill a baby in her womb, but it won't stop me from stopping a government from injecting me with an experimental drug that isn't actually doing what it's supposed to do. Not to mention, they continue to go back to the smallpox vaccine and things along those lines. Smallpox had a 30% case fatality rate. We're talking about 1.5% at the absolute peak with COVID. It's not even in the same ballpark. Smallpox killed 20 times as many people per case as COVID-19 is. We're not even anywhere near the same level of danger here. And for them to suggest that this is a public health crisis because a few fat people or a few old people or people who, according to the CDC, have an average of four pre-existing conditions have died from this disease that's that's just not going to fly. And if this ever goes to court, there's no way these things are going to hold up if there is any justice in this world, which I'm not necessarily holding my breath for, but I'd like to think that people could see the slippery slope, right? If they if we can mask if we can mandate masks and mandate vaccines for this, we can mandate masks and mandate vaccines for fucking flu season cuz it's not all that big of a difference. We can do it for just about any other virus that comes along. And oh, by the way, we have no idea what other fucking viruses the Chinese are cooking up that can leak out at any minute. Do I want to run out and get a vaccine for this disease that I'm not even in any significant danger of even being hospitalized or dying from? And that's even without any potential therapeutics, which should be readily available to me, although I am starting to wonder whether or not that is actually going to be the case, given the rationing of the monoclonal antibodies and the constant stories I'm hearing about pharmacies refusing to fill ivermectin prescriptions and things along those lines. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that when that time comes. But you want me to get a vaccine that doesn't really work, that might actually be making things worse for a virus that isn't really any danger to me. And, you know, God forbid, another one of these fucking things breaks out a year from now. You're going to want me to get that vaccine, too. How do we know those two are going to commingle, if at all? How do we know that any, you know, future mandates of vaccines aren't going to be tainted by our already insanely corrupt system here? Yeah, maybe these vaccines do absolutely everything they say that they are. And or say everything they say that they do, and they're as effective as they say they are. And there's absolutely nothing nefarious in those vaccines. No chips, no trackers, no other diseases, no whatever. All of the conspiracy theories, throw them out the window. Let's assume the medical community is being 100% truthful and efficient in everything that they're telling us about this. What if there's another one of these things in a year, and now we got to start pumping more experimental vaccines into our system, or? There's a mandate where now we have a booster system and every American needs to go get a booster every three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. How long until somebody, maybe even the Chinese, because God knows they have their fucking tentacles into every aspect of our government and medical uh, and, and, and medical uh, expert field, I guess, your healthcare field here in the United States. How long until somebody gets their hands on these things and starts putting shit into them because they know every American is going to have to take one? sorry, I'm hard passing on absolutely all of this, and I might sound like a complete radical nut, and at this point, I'm completely fucking comfortable with that. The radical nuts seem to be the only ones who have any idea what's actually going on these days. Speaking of which, uh, a couple more things here. Uh, I Really, literally a couple more things I'm going to get into. Christopher Steele one last time on the second stage stupid. So Christopher Steele is the author of the Steele dossier, supposedly. I don't even think that's true necessarily. I'm still fairly certain that Fusion GPS's Glenn Simpson wrote most of this because 
As Dan Bongino has pointed out many a time, there is an article in the Wall Street Journal from 2007 written by Glenn Simpson and his wife, or then-wife, and the entire article is basically the Steele dossier, except if you take out Trump's name and you put John McCain's name in, because that was the evil Republican of the moment. He turns out to still be an evil Republican, and may he be rotting in pieces. Nevertheless, I don't think that Christopher Steele's dossier was legit. I don't think any sane person does. I clearly our FBI didn't, as John Solomon's reporting from both The Hill and Just the News have indicated that they tried to vet all these bits of information and none of it was verified. Not not all of it was unverified necessarily, but none of it like none not all of it was disproven, but virtually none of it was proven and some of it was laughably disproven like Michael Cohen's trip to Prague which never happened and I'm sure he'd be fucking singing about it now if it did he's not uh the supposedly arrangement that was done out of the Russian consulate in Miami no such consulate exists would have been pretty easy for Christopher Steele to figure that out if he was half as good at his job as he claims to be so a former fucking like high-ranking spy for MI6 he couldn't have fucking Googled consulate in Miami and realized that that's bullshit. Obviously, he wasn't all that concerned with it. He needed to hand the FBI enough fluffed up information for them to then turn around and create this fucking witch hunt against Donald Trump with this whole Russian collusion nonsense. Well, Christopher Steele's back at it and he did a recent interview. Well, he said recently he doesn't believe that his info was false. Okay, well, the, if you don't believe your if you don't believe your evidence was false or your report was false, surely you have some sort of corroborating evidence other than the Russian spies that you talked to. By the way, I thought colluding with Russians was really bad. Oh, wait, your entire sourcing for the fucking dossier was a British spy talking to Russian spies about an American election, all of which was paid for by one of the candidates who wasn't the one under investigation. I mean, it's politics, so everything's fucking hypocrisy, but that's pretty fucking hypocritical even for politicians. So Christopher Steele doubling down on stupid. Why? Well, obviously he's got a book deal or something that he's gonna have to uh, try to, you know, reinvigor his uh, his reputation in order to be legit enough for people to run out to go buy this book. And because he doesn't believe his evidence is false, he'll probably publish it all in this book and say like, oh, well, this, that, and the other thing. And he'll expound upon things and in unprovable ways and make it seem like he had more evidence, but he couldn't actually give it to the FBI, even though he gave the FBI a bunch of fucking hoo-ha to begin with. It's going to be a glorious thing watching all the Twitter libs rush out to go buy Christopher Steele's book and tweet about all these things. OMG, Christopher Steele had evidence of the PP tape the whole time. Why aren't we locking up Donald Trump right now? Man, 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 keyboard mashing galore. It's going to be glorious. We're just double down on stupid. This guy was a supposedly reputable source that may or may not have actually authored the dossier that was completely filled with lies that was paid for by the political opponent of the target of the investigation. And everyone just bought into that thinking like, oh, it seems on the up and up to me. And now... After all of it was pretty much considered to be hogwash, now he's coming back out and going, well, I don't really believe that. Okay, no one gives a fuck what you believe, man. Your 15 minutes is up. Take a seat, and uh, good luck grifting the Twitter libs for your book sales. Second stage stupid, folks. The guy is just, he was already disproven. Now he comes out and goes, oh, well, I don't really believe that. When Donald Trump did shit like this, it was like he was the worst person ever. <laughs> Christopher Steele does it. He'll be painted as a hero. He'll be he'll be painted as an American patriot, even though he's not a fucking American citizen. That's how depraved the fucking Twitter libs are these days. And uh, you know what? Fuck them. Let let them live in their bubble. They're they're like at most two percent of the country. They think they're seventy five percent of the country. Just let them keep thinking that twenty twenty two is going to be a fucking wonderful wake up call. Which actually brings me back to some of the local elections. I know I said two more things. I'm going to make it three. Local elections are coming up, folks. If you are in New Jersey, early voting has begun. Get out there and vote. You can vote precisely once the last time I checked, but you can early vote now at a county location, uh, obviously coordinating with your county. I, well, I'll give you a county. Morris County, for instance, has several locations, and uh, those counties, you can go, it, regardless of where your polling place typically is, you can go to any polling place in your county for early voting between now and November 2nd, which is, I believe, the actual election day. Uh, you can go to any of these places and cast your vote 
legally. I suggest you do so. I'm going to go try and do that probably this week so I can just get it out of the way and get my vote in there to get rid of Phil Murphy as just the, I don't even know, well, he's probably the worst governor in the country now because apparently Gavin Newsom's super popular. He didn't get recalled and uh, Governor Cuomo's no longer there. So uh, Governor Murphy, one of the worst governors in all of America. I'm Looking forward to getting rid of him, not only because he's awful, but because I've actually met his opponent, shook his hand, had a conversation with him, and uh, yeah, he's working, man. I mean, he's a politician. Do I think I really got to know the guy personally? No, but I think his values are obviously much more closely aligned with mine and probably with yours, so get out there and vote New Jersey, and for that matter, Virginia. Same deal going on down there. Terry McCullough, former head of the DNC, is running for real—he's not— He's running for election again in Virginia. He was the governor of Virginia. He wasn't for a while. Now he's trying to be the governor of Virginia again. What happened to Ralph Northam? Oh, that's right. The blackface thing probably excluded him from running again, although it didn't exclude him from being able to continue to be governor because it would have because removing him would have meant we had to remove the second guy in charge and the third guy in charge and the fourth guy in charge was a Republican, so none of that stuff mattered all of a sudden. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? Um, so yeah, go out there and vote for, uh, for, uh, Jack Chatterelli in, uh, in New Jersey and for, I believe Tom Youngkin, Youngkin in, uh, in Virginia and Youngkin actually just put out a really good little video the other day. So Bo- Obama went down to go try to stump for Terry McAuliffe in Virginia. Well, Youngkin put up a, a nice little video saying like, Hey, 44, which is cute, by the way, that was very nice. He called him 44. Cause remember everyone used to call Trump 45, even though, they they made that like it was like this like scarlet letter, even though it sounds fucking awesome. I would totally want to be called 45 if I was the 45th president. And uh, these idiots eventually moved on from that. Now they're on the former guy as if that's like something. But whatever. He calls Obama 44 and he goes, oh, 44, I heard you're in town trying to bail out Terry McAuliffe's campaign. And he's dribbling like on a basketball court. He goes, if you're up for a game, I'm ready. Turns around, nails a three. Obviously, it was like probably take 75 that he did that. But nevertheless, uh, I thought it was a nice little ad. And, you know, taking a little bit of a shot at Obama, who's always, you know, every time we saw Obama, he was picking an NCAA bracket or he was playing basketball or he was doing something weird like that was, I wouldn't say unpresidential, but really had absolutely nothing to do with his job as the president. And, uh, And I think it was just, it was a nice little shot across the bow. So uh, that's it. Gubernatorial races in New Jersey and Virginia. Very important, guys. These things are huge. Yeah, I know. We're all super skeptical of elections. And yeah, I just opened the show ranting about the illegitimacy of the one in 2020. Donald Trump is not on the ballot this time around. They not only won't pull out all the stops, but they couldn't possibly get away with pulling out all the stops again. And uh, and frankly, they won't for these types of elections. I don't think they think they need to. I think they think McAuliffe's got it, even though the numbers are are razor thin right now and I'm I'm positive the democratic establishment is is in it thinks that Phil Murphy is a lock to be reelected here in New Jersey I got to say I don't love Jack's odds Jack Chatterelli is the is the you know the the Republican running against Phil Murphy I'm seeing a lot of Jack signs around New Jersey and yeah the same thing could have been said about Trump and but you know again Trump we don't know he didn't win <laughs> all these other states or whatever the case may be uh, but at the end of the day I think Jack is, a, is I think he's a solid dude I think he cares about taking care of our kids and our families and our elder uh, you know population I think he cares about trying to make this a good place for people to do business and reducing our property taxes without causing any sort of uh, decline in our school systems, which are supposedly the best in the country. I know that's hard to believe, but that's what the statistics say. So we'll go with it, I guess, for now, as at least as a New Jersey, and I have something to cling on to that my daughter, uh, while I, I'm still positive she's being indoctrinated to a certain extent, may not quite be, um, at least she's getting indoctrinated in addition to a halfway decent education, hopefully. We'll see. Uh, last but not least, I've had a lot of you tweet me about this and uh, call me about this and email me about this. Harrison, why don't you coach the Raiders? Um, well, if you saw what happened to John Gruden, I could tell you anybody who's ever sat next to me at a red light would probably tell you I am disqualified from uh, from coaching anything. Um, the thing with John Gruden was really ridiculous, right? So there's this ongoing lawsuit with the NFL. John Gruden is a former coach slash commentator and now coach again for the LA Raiders. LA Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, my apologies. So 
he um, apparently a bunch of emails came out recently. He had some less than nice things to say about the head of the Players Association, Damar Smith, who happens to be black. Yeah, he made a comment about his lips. And yeah, that's probably not good. But again, kind of getting back to the whole protected class thing, you know, you could you could shoot a guy in Walmart. But if you were a gay person's feelings, that's a big problem. Well, we're in a similar situation here, except let's just take it down a notch. Let's remove the transgenders from the equation. And now, you know, God forbid you say something derogatory about a black person, even if it isn't specifically racially toned. And yeah, I guess the argument could be made the lips comments are, but, you know, some... Are we? Are we? Are there certain things that we're just not allowed to make fun of certain people for? And if that's the case, I'd like to know what those things are for white people, straight people, or men. I don't care. I think everybody should be able to make fun of everybody for every conceivable thing. But if there's certain classes that aren't, we're not allowed to say certain jokes about or make certain derogatory comments about. You know what? The the bottom line is is he doesn't like Demar Smith very much. It's not that he dislikes black people. He dislikes Demar Smith because Demar Smith was doing some stuff behind the scenes that were holding up negotiations or whatever the case may be. These emails were so old, I don't even know the subject matter. It's irrelevant. But... Like I said, unfortunately, I won't be coaching the Raiders anytime soon. Uh, like I said, anytime anybody has ever sat next to me a red light and listened to me rapping along to Kanye, um, I don't censor myself. Yeah, I don't. Why would I? It's the art. It's my art. I, well, it's not my art, but it's it's art I'm appreciating. And the artist certainly didn't feel the need to censor himself, so I see absolutely no need to censor myself when I'm essentially quoting and singing along to said art. But these things are... You know, these things are just ridiculous and over the top, and uh, and it is particularly weird because John Gruden wasn't even the subject of the lawsuit that's going on, but his emails were like the only ones that leaked. It leads me to believe that there was probably some sort of tension or dislike towards John Gruden, and somebody in the league saw this as an opportunity to get rid of him, and they, they went for it because it's 2021, and even if you, you, you bitch slap the kid in kindergarten, they'll fucking come back and find out that that kid was like 117th black, and now you're a bigot for life. It's just the way of the world now, folks. I encourage all of you to follow me on Twitter, at RightOpinionPod, on Parlor at RightOpinionPod, and on Instagram, at Right Opinion Pod, but the biggie is go to rightopinionpod.substack.com. Check out all my stuff there. Every episode, every article, if I decide to write one, memes, whatever the case may be, I'll drop them there. But in addition to following me on all your social medias, go to Twitter right now, go to at libs of TikTok, and follow and turn on the notifications. It's look, it's a dark world out there, but the the libs of TikTok have managed to find a way to make the, the the depravity of a certain section of our population humorous. And the comments section underneath it, mwah, I love you, all of you out there, you crazy, crazy patriots and uh, heteronormative thinkers and all those sorts of nonsensical terms that they try to use as slurs against rational people. Libs of TikTok is a wonderful, wonderful thing. They're doing a service. And God bless whoever is curating all those videos. May they get all the therapy they need. That's it. So, um... I, I give you the plugs, rightopinionpod.substack.com. Again, that's the big one in Twitter, Right Opinion Pod. And this is where I have to remind you that opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, but this asshole has the right opinion. And you can only get it right here on the Right Opinion Podcast. I'm Harrison Bergeron. I'll talk to you guys next time. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom.